hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no! It isn't the breeze, it's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. Well, Joel, again, this is Buck Benny speaking. I am joined by John Henderson, Terry Phillips, and we're here to do something we haven't done. It's, you, you folks are going, wait a minute, they don't usually introduce one of these episodes. This is the wrong year. Well, yeah, this is uh, the final episode of the last year of Phil Harris being on the Jack Benny show. And this is, and, and so this is uh, 1952, the end of the 50, 51, 52 season. And unfortunately, we don't get Phil anymore. Phil will be gone. This episode, they do not like hint that he'll be gone. They talk about what he's going to do in the summer and so forth, like they always pretty much do in their final episodes. And he, it sounds just like uh, he was planning on coming back and so forth. Uh, I would think from, from what I've heard that he would know by now that he's not coming back. So he did a nice job of not having that any kind of inflection in his voice that made it sound like he wouldn't be coming back or anything. There was no like waiver. I would think if I knew I wasn't coming back and we're sort of talking about what am I doing this summer, I might start to get a little emotional as I'm doing it, but it didn't sound like Phil got that way at all. Um, and I, and, and I don't know that he knew, but certainly from interviews and things, it sounds like uh, they told me, you know, essentially he was told he's not coming back. So I don't know. Uh, anyway, let's just go around the horn and see what folks thought of either the episode or just general thoughts on on Phil Harris. I think he he added to me next to Jack. He was probably the most important character on the show. Everybody's important. Everybody has these. Every character you don't want to lose. Don, you don't want to lose Dennis. You don't want to lose Mary. Anybody. I think every person on this show is is important. But I think Phil was something the audience just loved, and 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 I think that that he added a lot to the show. Terry, um, what are your kind of thoughts with with Phil Harris' impact on the Jack Benny show and so forth? I think I would put his his impact a little differently than you did. He he had this larger than life personality, um, so he I think was popular in part because he was so charismatic. He didn't start out on the show that way. He, I mean, he was with the show from the late mid to late thirties, right? When right. he went thirties, thirty six, thirty seven season, right? And his character, his persona on the show at that time was kind of subtle. He was, he, you know, he made cutting remarks as he did throughout. And subtle was, is often a word used to describe Phil Harris. <laughs> <laughs> no, I 100% agree. He started out being, essentially, he was just the next band leader and had the same personality as most of the previous band leaders. He was right. kind of there, he kind of joked right, with him. Right, exactly. right, exactly. Yeah. But once they, once they uh, heard him uh, do these, you know, snappy one-liners, um, Clearly, they had to write for him and, and make him a, a bigger uh, part of the show and a bigger character. Yes. All that said, um, it, it seemed to me, and maybe I got this in part from listening to, to you uh, doing your intros of the earlier episodes, that he seemed in, increasingly interested in other things. He was not really focused on this show so much. Part of it was scheduling conflicts, but... 
I think part of it might have been his wife. I'll bet you, Alice Faye said, you know, you're still playing second banana to this guy. You've got your own show. Why don't we, you know, why don't we move on? Mm-hmm. And he was, I don't remember when he started making movies, but he was, you know, getting those offers more and more. Sure. And, uh, you know, the, the, the novelty songs, of course. Well, so this it, time, it he was him. probably the biggest he'd ever been. If you yeah. think about it, because like you say, the movies essentially, I think his first movies, I mean, he'd been in movies like one reelers and things back in 1933 and things like that. But really, his career sort of started to take off about 19 late 40s, like 1950, 51, where some of his biggest years where he did a few movies and things. So I could definitely see that. And like we say, he's got his own show in like 47. So, yeah, I, I can see where he's headed in that direction. Um, and certainly, it didn't win him any favors with Jack by refusing to to be on the television show. I think that was definitely a point of contention between them. I think Jack thought, as a loyalty, you would come over, you know, do an episode a season, do two episodes. With something. I think Jack would have been open to him doing anything. And he was just adamant, nope, television is a flash in the pan. I'm not going to do it, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, John, you got more on this? To Yeah, I think getting rid of Phil Harris was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> that is insightful. Thank you, John. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> the show wasn't quite the same without him. Is that what you're saying? I, <laughs> I love Phil Harris. I love Phil Harris on the show. It's fine and fun to hear some of the differences with Bob Crosby and some of the you know, things that he brings to it, especially in contrast to Phil Harris. But it seems like the funniest things about Bob Crosby is, hey, look how different he is than Phil Harris. Remember <laughs> Phil Harris? Yeah. Uh, and, like, I I, I really think it's an amazing alchemy between his personality. You watch some of those one-reelers that you mentioned before he joined the Jack Benny show, or you listen to some of his band leading, and you can see those little hints of, like, his swagger and his confidence. I'm going to be in Georgia this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but without the right, the writing and creating this sort of like lore about Phil Harris, it's not going to take off. Right. If you get somebody else to try to do this character, because they've had, you know, characters written one-off characters that are yeah. like, you know, big characters but it doesn't seem real. Phil Harris sells it because there's a there's an essential part of Phil Harris that's in that exaggerated character. Yes. So it it just makes it you know you put that together and it's this beautiful hilarious thing that I don't think you could get with anyone else. No. You know? What's amazing is with Kenny, when Kenny left, they got Dennis. And they pretty much pulled off just substituting the same personality, the same guy. And he did it so well. They both did it so well that it worked. It was like, I'm, I, I think the odds of pulling that off were amazing. That was a rabbit out of the hat that they pulled yeah. off. It was like replacing Samantha's wife on Bewitched. Nobody knows. Yeah. We all knew, but it just went on. Yeah, yeah. No, I agreed. And, and uh and he just did such a great job with it. And then he actually added some to it because he could do voices and things that Kenny couldn't do. And so they had some fun with that in later years. Well, I just but think with the fact Phil, you know, it just you can't find somebody. It just doesn't work. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like Dennis Day is just, he's great at voices and characters. He's probably just doing a Kenny Baker for 30 years. Pretty much. I, I think that is exactly right. I think I think what they did inadvertently was they got a voice guy that, that could do a Kenny, a great Kenny impression and then just kind of ran with that in, in some ways. Because um, certainly he doesn't talk like that. He doesn't talk like his character in real life. And even on the 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 television show, he started to be a little more uh, real life Dennis than than sounding exactly like he did on the radio show. He lost some of the breathiness. Um, things. I mean, you're making your that point. Unlike Phil Harris, who was exactly that way in every interview I've ever heard with him. He, yes, he was the same guy. But was he really? That's that's the key. It's like when they first had him, like you're saying, that first season, he wasn't that Phil Harris. He was he was more subtle, just more of a normal guy who had an uh, interesting voice and a good voice. But it's like they built this character. And then when he left the show, he left like with the character and continued that for the rest of his career. I mean, if anything, it became even more so as he'd be as he'd be on the the Dean Martin show and and they both seemed like they were completely drunk as they were talking to each other and everything and it'd be hilarious. My guess like, is that they unleashed his inner Phil. I yeah. don't I think he was restrained in those early years. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think probably you're probably right. I, my guess would be that Phil that we had in the early Jack Benny shows was him doing almost his impression of what he thinks a band leader should be on the show and not his normal over the top sort of self. And then they went, like you say, when they unleashed him, they realized, Oh, he's better as himself because everyone you hear talk to him, anytime you hear stories about Phil, real Phil, they're very similar to, to what you would hear about Phil on the, or, or when you see him on his hunting shows that he would do or his golf things, it, it was, that persona was there all the time. So anyway, I, I love it. And, uh, uh, one one of the things that I find the most frustrating about this situation, I wouldn't be so frustrated if it was simply Phil choosing to leave. And Phil, I, I like that idea. I like that narrative that, that Phil just, it, it's just time. I, I'm second banana. I need to get out of here. I don't feel like that's what it was. I feel like as you listen to interviews of Phil and hear Phil talking, I think Phil wanted to be, Phil of the early 40s. He wanted to be a big part of the show again. It's like, okay, yes, for for years, I my show followed Jack's show. So I had to get over to my show. So they had to cut my part down and that's what I had to do. But now with transcription and everything and my show being on, a, I think his show was even on a different night at this point, I don't need to do that i'm free i can i can do the show like i used to do and and but the writers weren't writing him that way they were writing him exactly like he only had two minutes to be on the show or five minutes to be on the show and that's where i feel like his frustration was it's like guys you don't need to do this anymore put me on and they wouldn't do it they would just they were like no no this is the way we've had the show we're not going to change the show just because you're available more and things it's, it's not fair to anybody else um, whereas I think if he would have sat down and talked with Jack instead of the writers and said, Jack, 
I'm free now. I really would like to do it like we did back in the 40s where I was part of the skit and I was part of the whole show and and I, I want to have a bigger presence on the show. Is that okay or whatever? I think Jack would have said, yeah, that sounds great. I'll talk to the writers. And it maybe would have all come together. The fact that he started pressuring the writers instead of Jack and when it came back to Jack and Mary, it was like, hey, Phil's kind of causing a problem here with the writers and complaining about everything that they're writing him. And Mary's like, just boot him. It's time to go. And 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 uh, according to the interviews that, that she did with um, Phil on the dinosaur, that's uh, the dinosaur show. That's about what we have of, of, of most of this. It sure sounded like they were both agreeing that that's kind of what happened. And that she said, uh, and, and Jack was saying, no, no, Phil's going to be with me forever. And, and she's like, no, I sleep with Jack. He's not going to be with you anymore. You're not going to be with him anymore, you know? And so, which I thought was a great line, but, um, and then it really happened and it's just too bad. I mean, I think, I think those last three seasons on the radio could have been even better. I think they could have went out really solid whereas they kind of limped through in some ways i mean it was still a good show i still enjoy the episodes but they're just not quite the same thing without phil and i just wish phil would have been a little more flexible the guy yeah just you know what like he it, couldn't it's like it's like be on jack's show once a season for a while and then and then maybe as you get used to it then you're on a little more and a little more and when the when the radio show goes away and your both radio shows go away Maybe you start becoming a semi-regular on the show or something, but ugh, so frustrating that didn't happen. And and that his wife wanted him in, in television. She was like, no, no, this is what we need to do this film. But anyway, John. The biggest shame is that Phil Harris wasn't there at the end, right? Yes. Like it's like I needed exactly three more seasons with Phil Harris. It's that he was with them this whole time, part of the the core cast, yes. but then at the end when we could have had a nice farewell. With Phil, it was missing because of just the way that it played out. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And that's the frustration. And I think Crosby did the best he could do. Uh, I will say with Crosby, as a as a as a actor for Crosby and as the writers, it's like it would be difficult. They were essentially what happened is, is they got this guy in and they knew he couldn't be Phil. So they're like, Okay, we'll talk about his family life and how he's different from Phil, like you said, but we're going to keep the band the same. So he's going to, he's going to, it's going to, the, the, the twist is going to be now we've got an upstanding band leader who's got a band that's out of control and drunkards and everything. And we'll play that. And so I can see why you would play that. It just never came across quite the same as Phil being sort of part of that if anything that the biggest problem in the band was phil and and so it just gave it a different feeling and it just didn't work as well for comedy i don't think as as later on you know is when he's talking about bagby and and when he's talking about uh remley and remley crawl on the ground and everything it just doesn't quite work as well that doesn't hit like it does when when phil mentions it because phil's like yeah so remley's crawling on the ground so what i do that all the time it's like, you know, and where, whereas, whereas with, with Crosby, it's like, my gosh, what are you doing on the ground? Get up off the ground. <laughs> you know, it, it was just more of a, uh, yeah, it was just different. But John, that first season with Bob Crosby, I think the, you know, when you've got these new concepts in, I think are very funny and like him being straight laced with this crazy band. And also the fact that 
he's the lesser famous brother of a very famous yes. singer. Those being jokes about Bing Crosby being so wealthy are also yeah. very funny. But that that plays out so much faster. So that by the second season with Bob Crosby, it's like heard it. Whereas you got decades with Phil Harris before it got old. Yeah, true. I, I would agree with that hundred percent. It was like they the the first season worked, and then after that, it stopped working as well. But part of it is the other thing is we feel like Crosby was three seasons with Crosby. You essentially have two seasons with Crosby. One, maybe one and a half, and then he stops being able to show up as much because he's got he's got his own radio shows, he's got his own television shows that are like fifteen minute, multiple times a week shows, and so he's busy guy. And 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 the final season, I'm not even a hundred percent sure he's in any of the episodes of final seasons. I think those episodes he 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 seems like he is but i think it's because they're repeating episodes the actual episode from previous seasons and and maybe he's in one or two but he's not in very many of that last season you know if we're doing comes on who's the who's the musical arranger which i which i'm kind of thankful for because he actually does a pretty good job and yet he's the actual guy that's been doing the music for 20 years or more and so to see to actually hear his voice it's kind of cool, but anyway. If job. we're doing um, a whole bunch of unfounded uh, just uh, guesses, I got yes, right we are, that's what we are doing. That's what we do here, John. <laughs> it, when <laughs> Phil Harris was in the Marines or whatever doing his band leading, yes. and they got guest hosts every week, the two weeks that they did Bob Crosby were just like they blew up, and I feel like that gave them the idea. Hey we can always just put Bob Crosby in here. And right. I feel like when they finally did put him in there. He didn't perform the way that he did on those two special guest spot episodes Agreed. where he's, he's flubbing his lines. He's trying to like contribute things, but it's not really working very well. And maybe they just sort of let him drift away in those last seasons. Yeah, that could, that could very well be. I, yeah, we don't have the inside scoop on that, but uh, there was something there. Terry, you look like you have something to say. I don't know. Well, I, I was going to say, since we're speculating here, I suspect that uh, something else was going on here, which is that Jack Benny was trying to decide how and when to end his um, his run. Uh, we have direct evidence with shows like the Mary Tyler Moore show or the Bob Newhart show where they said, no, this is going to be my last show. I want to end on a high note. We don't really have that direct evidence with uh, Jack Benny. Yeah, but it would be nice to know if, you know, how much it was on his mind during these years, whether he was seeing it, whether he was trying to steer it. I suspect he was because, well, that's, yeah. you know, he was the We master. pretty much, Terry, just we pretty much know that he knew the last season was last season because they did episode after episode where they were sort of a sign off on he'd bring characters back or bits back. Right. Right. That he, they brought Ed out from the vault for the first time ever. Oh, that's so, right. That's true. Yeah. And so there was certain things that you're like, okay, this is a final hurrah for this character or for this situation. And they they did that throughout that season uh, mm. somewhat. So yeah. I, oh, and even the last episode, they play it like they might be coming back, but there's, there's certain ways that they're saying things that it sounds like, okay, this is it. Go ahead, John. I, I, there's a, a ton of rerun episodes as well. I, I feel like 
Jack was already on television. And he's all like, well, am I still on the radio? Like he was so invested in his television show that he's like, why am I even bothering doing the radio anymore? Like television is where it's at now at this point. Right. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think he was getting pressure to do more. Each season he was doing more and more television shows. The first season, of course, was four episodes of the television show. And then I think he went to six and then eight. And then eventually he stayed like 13 episodes a season became the norm for probably four or five years or something. In that uh, command but, performance show in London that we talked about before, he even makes reference to this in a in a joke form. He says his doctor says to him, you know, you, you're doing all this stuff now. You're so busy doing perf live performances and the radio and the TV. It's not, it couldn't possibly be about the money, right? <laughs> Which is a great <laughs> setup for <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Obviously didn't know me at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need a new doctor. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. And and what's and you don't understand as much. You know, you go back and you go, oh, he was only doing thirteen episodes of his TV series, and he was doing this radio show. That shouldn't be a big problem. But then you got then you start looking and go, oh wait, he was on the like this G some of these GE series and other series that you go, oh, he did like. 10 episodes of that in this season two and he did and he did these guest appearances i mean he was a busy busy guy and and so yeah you could see how and and the fact that the radio audience is dwindling and dwindling and he, he's like the number one radio show he goes out on top he's the number one radio show in all of radio but his audience is so much smaller than it was at his peak it's there's there's it's like a, a tiny tiny it's like there's 10 percent of the audience that he used to have um, so yeah, it, yeah. it drifts away. Uh, before we run out of time, can I mention a couple things about this particular episode? I would love and for I, you to do that. I, I, wonder, uh, I wonder if you have a better ear than I do, but I feel like the girl who is from the telephone company who connects him to, you know, the travel agency or whatever, mm -hmm. I feel like that voice sounds to me like it's Joan Benny. Do you know yeah. whether that's true or not? I do not know. I don't have my, I have my books here. I can look it up, but... I would think it would be either Joan Benny or uh, Janet Iman. Uh, his secretary is on a lot of episodes to play those small parts and things. And they, and they both sound to me, to my ear, they always sound really similar. So uh, it could be either one. Uh, but I would think it's one of those two people. Um, yeah. Well, um, keep your ear out when you're listening and then, uh, you know, let me know what you all think. Okay. And I'll probably you know, tell you next week if I'm going to look it up and see exactly who is in the episode. This will Will be a quiz. Everyone make your own guesses. Next week we'll, we'll meet back here in one week and, and tell you what, what we decided who it was. I think that's great. That's great. Listeners, I, uh, put in the comments uh, who you think it was. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've actually done an introduction for this episode on my own podcast, This Day in Jack Benny, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And uh, I, I always look for the references, but, you know, the more you listen, the more references you find. So I thought I'd mention a couple of the references that I sure. missed last time I did it. You got uh, Quo Vadis, which was a movie. It was sort of like this big epic period, you know, ancient Jeez. Rome type Jeez. movie. Mm -hmm. uh, so that one, I, I didn't even know what they were saying when I heard it the first time. <laughs> Uh, of course, you've got I Like Ike. That's a reference yep. to the campaign slogan of Ike Eisenhower. And then there's a, a biblical reference. Uh, you know, the story of 
Elijah getting uh, taken to heaven by a, a chariot of fire. And that was turned into an old, uh, you know, spiritual song, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. So there's a yes. reference to that in this episode as well. Okay. Thank and that's you. it. That's it. That's it. That's good stuff, though. So, all right. Well, uh, sign off there, I think. Enjoy this last episode, last hurrah for Phil Harris. And just, um, I'm so thankful for what he brought to this episode, for this series for so long. Uh, I think he was on it for 17 years, I want to say. Uh, that's a long time. And uh, maybe it was 19. Anyway, whatever. Something like that. It was a long, long time. And uh, he definitely... It, and he would forevermore say how much this series had meant to him and how much it helped his career and all of that. He definitely wasn't like, oh, no, I was beyond that. And that was, I, I made that show or anything. It was, it was definitely he gave credit, which is wonderful on his part. Um, and Phil, he's such a – I love him so much, but he can be such a frustration in the real life, Phil, and just how I'm like – if you would have made this other choice or if you would have changed past, but the thing is he, he wouldn't have been Phil there. Phil was, yeah. Phil was impulsive and he was like, Nope, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And, and once he made his mind up, he sort of stuck to it. So that's kind of the way Phil was, but anyway, enjoy. And we'll see you folks next time. Uh, well, like season, I guess, because this is the last episode of the season. I hope you enjoyed the season. I hope you enjoy our discussions ahead of the episodes and things. I think a lot of folks do. Um, anyway, we'll go on from there. Thanks so much, guys. Bye, everybody. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed, presented by Lucky Strike. Do you do that, do that, do that, do you do that, do that? Be happy, go lucky, be happy, get better taste, be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, while cigarettes may look the same on the outside, there's an important inside difference in Lucky Strike, an inside difference that proves Luckies are made better to taste better. And it's easy to prove this to yourself. Just tear and compare. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Then carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be careful not to disturb or loosen the tobacco. Now, in exactly the same way, remove the paper from a lucky strike. Then compare. Some cigarettes are so loosely packed they fall apart. Others have air spaces that burn too fast, taste hot and harsh and dry. But look at that Lucky. See how it stays together, a perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco. See how round and firm and fully packed it is, with long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco. Because Luckies are made this way, they draw freely, smoke smoothly and evenly, taste fresh, clean, and mild. So, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Polaris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wolf. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our final radio program of the season, and immediately following, Jack will do his final television show. This has been a strenuous season, 
And on the shoulders of the star of our show falls most of this burden. So without further ado, we bring you a very tiresome comedian. That's tired. And here he is, Jack Benny. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, you're right. This has been a very grueling season. Work, work, nothing but work. I tell you, Don, I'm so tired right now, I can... Hardly keep my big blue eyes open. <laughs> I'm really all in. Well, Jack, I know it's been a tough season, but I can't understand why you should be that tired. After all, you're only 39. Well, look, Don, it's hard for a man of your age to realize how tired you can get. Now, how old are you? 38. <laughs> well, just wait till you're 39, brother. That's a long pull. <laughs> Boy, will you be tired then. Of course, the burden, Don, the burden you're carrying is not on your shoulders. What? <laughs> and how you ever got a pair of pants to fit your burden is beyond me. <laughs> Don, I want to tell you something. Doing radio and television is really a... Hi, Jack. Hello, everybody. Well, Mary, here we are finishing another season, another 38 weeks that you've worked for me. How do you feel? Hungry. <laughs> oh, stop, hungry. Mary, this is the last program of the year. Why can't you be nice? Why do you have to come out in here and infer that I don't pay you enough? Well, you don't. I don't. Then why is it every Thursday when you go to the bank, they roll out the red carpet for you? Because I don't have any shoes. <laughs> Mary, if you don't stop that kind of talk, I won't take you to Europe with me, kid. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jack. Well, you should be. Anyway, Mary, let's not get into an argument now. After all, we're doing our last show, and soon we'll be on the high seas on our way to play the Palladium Theater in London. Uh, which reminds me, Jack, before we go, you ought to have all your clothes cleaned. Why? That chip we're going on is kind of big, and you won't be able to lean over the side and do your laundry. Well, <laughs> oh, fine. By the way, Don, what are you going to do this summer? Well, Mary, I'm going to be busy making a picture for 20th Century Fox. Oh, really? You know, I made a picture 20th, Don, several years ago. I know, and by a strange coincidence, Jack, they gave me the same dressing room you used to have. Oh, oh, that's nice. That's a nice one, you know. I won't have to share it like you did. You won't? No, Zanuck hasn't got that polo pony anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> He was so friendly. He used to keep the flies off of both of us. <laughs> oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. Hello, everybody. <laughs> well, Phil, here we are at the end of another season. How do you feel? Thirsty. <laughs> That's funny. He started the season that way. <laughs> Oh, Phil, we were just talking about the summer. Do you have any plans? Sure do, Donzie. Me and my boys are making a series of personal appearances. Oh, really? Where are you going? Well, we open at Burning Stump, Wyoming. <laughs> then from there, we go to Stagnant Water, Nebraska. <laughs> then we go to Sow Belly, Arkansas. <laughs> then we wind up by playing for the debutantes ball in do what did it? For heaven's sake, Phil, why do you pick such small towns? My boys won't play no place where they're outnumbered. Oh, well, Phil, I hope your boys have more respect for, you, for your one-night stands than they have for my program. 
Half the time, they don't even show up. I haven't seen Fletcher, your trombone player, for a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's funny you should mention old Fletcher. Just got a card from him this morning. He's an Alcatraz. <laughs> Alcatraz? Well, don't blame him, Jackson. It was my fault for hiring a musical arranger who didn't understand my boys. What do you mean? Well, we were playing a new arrangement when Fletch comes to a 12-bar rest. Uh-huh. Well, Fletch ain't going to sit around doing nothing, so he goes out and robs a bank. <laughs> well, Phil, look at I'm not interested in their extracurricular activities. You see, if they'll just... Come in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, Mr. Gibson. Benny, I heard you're leaving for England right after your television show. <laughs> oh, I was so excited, I dropped by now to give you this Bon Voyage gift. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Kitzel, but I'm not leaving till tomorrow night, and I'm going to Houston first for a benefit. Oh. Then I go right from there to England. Oh, how I envy you. <laughs> Good old England, the Thames, Waterloo Bridge, Buckingham Palace, Barclay Square, the Tower of London. Mr. Kitzel, how do you know so much about England? I'm an Oxford man. <laughs> you, you're an Oxford man? Anyone for cricket? <laughs> I wish I had time. <laughs> Well, Mr. Kitzer, would you like to sit down and watch the rest of the program? I'd love to, but I got to go to the airport to meet my wife. She's coming in from Kansas City. Oh, oh what airport? Well, this to me is a mystery. I don't know whether she's going to land at International or at Lockheed or in Pomona or in Pasadena. Well, don't you know where the plane is scheduled to land? Yes, but that doesn't make any difference. My wife is such a backseat driver. <laughs> Oh, you're kidding. Kidding, kissing. Listen, Mr. Benet, when that sweet chariot swings low, she'll point out the direction. <laughs> well, you ought to know. Uh, what was your wife doing in Kansas City? She was visiting our son at his army camp. Well, Mr. Kitzel, I never knew you had a grown son. Well, he's my wife's son by a former marriage. Oh, you're her second husband. A third. You mean your wife's been married twice before? Oh, this much, she tells me. <laughs> oh. Well, I got to be running along. Have a beautiful trip. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. Kitzel. Goodbye, Mr. Bill. Jack, what did Mr. Kitzel give you? Uh, just a moment. I'll open it. Oh, isn't that cute? What is it? It's a cake, and on top of it, it's spelled out Bon Voyage. And the O's are bagels. <laughs> <laughs> now, kids, since this is our last program, I'd like to express to all of you my, um, hmm... What's the matter, Jack? Dennis isn't here. Well, since he's going to London with you, maybe he stayed home to do his packing. Well, that doesn't make any difference. He's supposed to be here for the radio show. He has to sing a song. Well, Jack, maybe this is as good time as any for the Sportsman's Quartet to come on. They have something to tell you. Tell me what? Well, you're going by train tomorrow night, and they want to take you down to the station. Oh, that's nice. Tell him about it, fellas. <laughs> Get you in a taxi, Benny. You better be ready about a half past eight. Now 
South Annie, don't be late. You want to get there before the train starts moving. And don't forget your lucky's Benny, the most important thing of all. While you ride the Santa Fe, you can sit and smoke them all day. Tomorrow night you'll be traveling on your way. We'll be down to get you with the carton, Benny. You gotta have plenty of the smoke you like. Drink lots of lucky strike the cigarette that's always better tasting. And when that engine really starts in puffin', we know you wanna join it, sure enough. Like an LSMMT, while you watch the scenery. Enjoy yourself, but be sure to hurry back. That was wonderful. Really swell. I wish you were going to England with me. Hey, Jackson, I wish you'd do me a favor when you get to London. What is it, Phil? Hey, buy me one of them English tweeds. You mean you want me to buy you a suit? Yeah, but don't just take any old English suit. Be sure to pick a dilly. Hey, Jackson, the Republicans may like Ike, but I like me. <laughs> Phil, do me a favor and sit down, will you? Jack, that was a real cute joke. What are you so grumpy about? Because here we are trying to do our last program, and Dennis has to be late. Well, why don't you call his house and see what's keeping him? I will. Say, Mabel, what is it, Gaitchen? Benny's line is flashing. Yeah, I wonder what the heel of fortune wants now. <laughs> I'll plug in and find out. Hello, Mr. Benny. Yes, sir, I'll see if I can get him. He wants I should try to find Dennis Day for him. He must be lost again. Well, what do you mean again? Does he get lost often? I'll say. His family put a tag on his lapel saying, if found, forget it. <laughs> well, in a way, I don't blame them. He is kind of dumb. I remember the time I had a date with him. You went out with Dennis Day? Uh-huh. He took me to a movie, and when we reached the box office, he asked me whether I'd rather sit in the balcony or downstairs. Uh-huh. I was feeling kind of romantic, so I said the balcony. Ah. Uh. And did he buy seats in the balcony? For me, yes. He sat downstairs. <laughs> Lucky I got long arms or I wouldn't have had any of his popcorn. <laughs> well, at least, at least when you go out with Dennis, he spends some money. Well, what are you complaining about? The other day, you said Jack Benny took you to see a wonderful movie spectacle. Some movie spectacle. We drove up to the top of the Hollywood Hills and watched Warner Brothers burn. <laughs> no kidding. You watched the studio burn? Yeah. Jack tried to convince me it was Quo Vadis. <laughs> How do you like that? 
Yes, I'm sorry, Mr. Benny, but his house doesn't answer. Okay, I'll try later. What happened, Jack? He's not at home. I can't understand it. You'd think Dennis would be here on our last... Oh, that must be him now. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? Mr. Benny, my name is Lois Wagner. I'm president of the Jack Benny Fan Club. For the joy you have brought into our homes, we wish to present you with a gift which we hope you will cherish and keep as a memento of our appreciation. Well, Each I... Sunday, all of us wait in anticipation for your programs, and it was not without deep thought and much deliberation that we finally selected the gift we thought most suitable to express our sincere feelings. Well, I... We th- trust that in the years to come, when you travel from the sunkiest shores of California to the Rock Pond coast of Maine, that you will always carry this gift with you as a constant reminder of the glorious hours of pleasure you have given to members of our organization. Oh, I will, I will. What are you going to give me? Nothing. I just love to make speech. I can't understand it. I listen to the radio all the time, and mine is the only program that things like this happen. Not once have I heard that on Stella Dallas. <laughs> you can tune in on any Oh, of... gee, Mr. Benny, am I late? Late? I'll say you're late, Dennis. Where were you? Dennis? I'll repeat that. Where were you? Oh, I was home packing. Well, I called you. Didn't you hear the phone ring? Yeah. Then why didn't you answer it? I already had it locked in the trunk. <laughs> Dennis, you're taking your telephone to England? Yeah, while I'm over there, I want to talk to my friends in Hollywood. It'll only be a local call. (laughs) Well, that's idiotic. You're right. What do you mean I'm right? That's my number, idiotic, 70245. (laughs) What? The phone company gave me a special number. Look, Dennis. It's unlisted. Now, stop Dennis, didn't you tell me yesterday, this being the last program of the season, you were going to sing a special arrangement of Love and Bloom and dedicated to me? Yes, sir. Well, I'm very anxious to hear it, so let's have it. Oh, Mr. Benny, I'd like to ask you something first. What? Well, when we get to England, some friends of mine want to meet me, and does the Queen Elizabeth dock at Southampton or Liverpool? Well, I... Gee, that's funny. I didn't find out. I think it's Southampton. I thought it was Liverpool. No, no, Mary, I'm almost sure it's Southampton. Why don't you call the travel agency that arranged for your passage and find out? Hey, I think I will. Let's see, their number is, um... Wait a minute, I got it right here. Crestview 73761. <laughs> Hello, Transatlantic Travel Agency. Oh, hello, this is Jack Benny. I'm going to England on the Queen Elizabeth, and I'd like to get some information, please. Just a moment. I'll connect you with Mr. Wilkins. He's in charge of that. Thank you. Mr. Wilkins is on the line. Go ahead, Mr. Benny. Uh, Mr. Wilkins. (laughs) Yes? I'm sailing on the Queen Elizabeth. Does that ship dock at Southampton? I don't know. Well, does it go to Liverpool before it goes to Southampton? I don't know. Well, does it go to Southampton at all? I don't know. Never heard such stupid answer. Put the girl back on the phone. Which one was it? 
I don't know. <laughs> well, was she one of our operators, or was it one of the telephone company's operators? I don't know. <laughs> now, look, that girl was there a minute ago. Let me talk to her. Okay. Hello? Hello, miss. Are you the girl I just spoke to? I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. Goodbye. Now, where were we? I don't know. <laughs> Dennis, you were going to sing Love and Bloom, and I'm very anxious to hear it, so let's have it. Okay. Oh, for heaven's sake, there's the phone again. Hello? Hello, Mr. Bandit Rochester. Rochester, what did you call for? Well, I'm doing your packing, and I don't want you to be confused. What do you mean, confused? Well, when you leave on your trip, you're going to Houston first, aren't you? That's right. I'm going to appear June 5th at the benefit for the Texas Children's Hospital. Well, I thought I'd pack some clothes in a separate suitcase for you to wear down there. So I put in your tan jacket, your light slacks, and five pairs of woolen socks. Rochester, it's hot in Texas this time of year. Why should I wear those thick socks? In case you're stepping in the oil, you'll want to sop up as much as you can. Say, that's a good idea. I'll be able to wear those socks in Europe, too. You know, Rochester, I'm going to Finland to participate in the Olympic Games. You are? Yes, I'm going to throw the discus. You're going to what the who? I'm going to throw the discus. You see, throwing the discus is an ancient Roman sport that was popular during the days of Nero. I thought you were playing the fiddle then. I don't be funny. <laughs> anyway, Rochester, finish all the packing because I won't be able to help you. I'm going to drop by the dentist's office and have my teeth fixed before I go to Texas. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're going to strike oil even if you have to bite your way down. <laughs> Never mind. Just finish my packing. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now what? Uh, what time will you be home for dinner? Well, I'll be a little later than usual because right after this radio show, I do my television show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who's going to be on it? You are, don't you know? I know and you know, but tell the people. Tell the people. I am. I am. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Jack, are you really going to Finland for the Olympic Games? That's right, Don. I'm going to Helsinki. Ooh, what he said. <laughs> Look, Dennis, just sing. Yes, sir. Don, give him the introduction, will you? And now, ladies and gentlemen, since this is the last program of the season, in honor of Jack Benny, Dennis Day will sing a special arrangement of Love In... Now, what is this, anyway? Come in. Excuse me, but could you tell me where I could find Studio C? Hey, look, kids, it's John L. C. Savone. Hello, Mr. Savone. Huh? Mr. <laughs> Mr. Savone, don't you remember me? No. But you must. A couple of years ago, you stopped me on the street and asked me for a dime for a cup of coffee. And I gave you 50 cents. Holy smoke, it's Jack Benny! (laughs) 
good. I thought maybe you'd forgotten me. Oh, no. I tell all my friends, you fraternity brothers, you're my pal. <laughs> you're fraternity brothers, Mr. Boney? For a college man, what happened to you? I'm a poor little lamb who's gone astray. Blah, blah. <laughs> Now, look, uh, Mr. <laughs> look, Mr. Savoni. Uh, Mr. Savoni. You're my pal. You can call me John. Well, John, I haven't seen you for a long time. What are you doing here at CBS? I'm down here for rehearsal. A rehearsal? Yeah. I start my own show here next Sunday night. You mean you have your own radio program? How did you get it? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. <laughs> I was just walking down the street. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't feel like doing anything. Just walking down the street. I said to myself, What are you doing, John? <laughs> Not. <laughs> and I wasn't. I was just walking down the street. <laughs> All of a sudden, a man comes up to me and says, Hey, you. I say, Who? He says, You. I say, Me. He says, Yeah. <laughs> he said, He said, uh, How would you like to be on the radio? So I said, How much? He said, $150. I said, I can't afford to pay that much. <laughs> no, 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 Mr. Savoni. See, they pay you. I know. They finally told me that. Then we started to dicker about the price. Ooh, it made me so nervous. Did you get a good deal? Yeah. We settled for $125. But he started out with $150. I'm no fool. I wasn't going to take his first offer. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Savoli, I want to wish you, I want to wish you all the luck on your new radio program, and I hope I'll see you real soon. Thank you very much, pal. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, Mr. Savoli. Now, Don, lock the door, will you? Mary, take the receiver off the phone. We're not going to get any more interruptions. Dennis. Yes, sir? Sing the number you're dedicating to me. Yeah! <laughs> Can it be the trees that fill the breeze With rare and magic perfume Oh, no, it isn't a dream. It's love in bloom. Can it be the spring that seems to bring stars right into my room? Oh, no, 
for themselves that Luckies are made better to taste better. Try it yourself. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer and carefully remove the paper by tearing down the seam from end to end. Don't dig into or crumble the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with a Lucky Strike. Then compare. Some cigarettes are so loosely packed they fall apart. Some have air spaces, hot spots that burn harsh and dry. Others have too many broken bits of tobacco, giving you those annoying loose ends that spoil the taste. But just look at that Lucky, a perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Notice those long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco. Yes, Luckies are made better to taste better, to give you far more enjoyment from every puff. So for your own real deep-down smoking enjoyment, be happy, go lucky. Make your next carton Lucky Strike. Do you do that, do that, be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike today. Ladies and gentlemen, in just about one minute, I'll be seeing you all on television, and I hope you'll all be seeing me. As I mentioned before, this is the last radio program of the season, but we'll be with you again in the fall. At this point, on behalf of my sponsor and my entire cast, I want to thank you for being such loyal listeners. Good night, folks. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. The Jack Benny Show was transcribed. This is the CBS Radio Network.